It is Wednesday, July 19th, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. Today, changing the narrative about working in early childhood education. Oftentimes, too, early child education can be looked at as a job for people, and I want us to change that. I want it to be a career. Plus, helping the next generation to lead. I mean, we have a rich tapestry of Latinos here, so there is enough room for all of us to be sitting in this community, to be represented in this community, too. And Jumpsuit Jamie talks country music. I'd like for people to get the idea that, hey, you know, there's some country music out there and country culture out there and country dancing out there that doesn't suck. Plus music, too. First, the news. Little Wing presents Dave Mason at the City Auditorium, Thursday, July 27th at 7.30 p.m. Tickets are on sale at tickets.thundertix.com. Dave Mason, live July 27th. The Fayetteville Jazz Collective Big Band takes the stage for a night of jazz in the Crystal Bridges North Forest Concert Series, July 22nd, beginning at 7 p.m. It's a traditional 18-piece jazz big band featuring Northwest Arkansas musicians that performs a mix of the classics of the swing era to the modern age of big band music, as well as compositions by band members and local composers. More at digjazz.com. This is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. The National Weather Service is urging caution about being outside again today. Highs across the region are expected to reach near 100, and the heat index readings will be as high as 114. There is an excessive heat warning for much of western Arkansas and eastern Oklahoma until 9 o'clock tonight, and a heat advisory in northwest Arkansas until 9. Ahead this hour, Wendy Echeverria continues her series of conversations with Latina leaders in northwest Arkansas. Today, she covers the importance of leading by example, finding time to mentor, and the value in community with three women who grew up in different places but all call Northwest Arkansas home now. That's in about 16 minutes. First, today we talk about expanding the child care industry. We've previously reported on Ozarks at Large about some of the challenges families are having finding child care services. And one of the reasons is a shortage of workers in facilities. Bright Horizons is a child care provider company with locations across America. They're hoping to grow the pool of qualified workers with a new program that will help turn working in a preschool from a job to a career. Matthew brings us this report. It's a Friday morning at Sam's Club Kids Club, a daycare in Bentonville, and classrooms are filled with kids who are painting. Making lava lamps. Buy yellow. Yellow. Mine is blue. Yours is blue? And it's brown on the bottom. Yeah? It's brown on the bottom. right. And just insanely curious about the big long microphone in my hand. Why? I even have to say this. Yeah, this is this is where you talk into it right there. You say hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. I also have an Elsa microphone. You do? The director of this facility is Lauren Floyd, who remembers her first ever babysitting gig vividly. I think I was like 12 years old, um, and uh, it's crazy. It was one of my dad's friends. The baby was two weeks old. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, They went to dinner that was literally down the street. They put the baby to bed. Nothing was going to happen to the baby. 
but I was terrified. Um, but I paid my way to Europe two years in a row babysitting in the North Dallas area. Lauren knew that kids and education were a passion and a family tradition. I'm very fortunate. My grandfather was in education. My grandmother was in education. She created the first homebound program in Mesquite, Texas for pregnant girls in the 60s. Um, and my grandfather has an elementary school named after him in the Mesquite, Texas area. And I should have known. I kind of took a different journey to finally get here. But at the heart of it, I think I always knew this would be where I would end up. Lauren says she was diagnosed with dyslexia at a young age, and that was a barrier to excel in school. I always knew I was smart, but I wasn't going to learn like everybody else. And in the late 80s and early 90s, you needed to learn one way, dang it, or you couldn't learn, right? My mother now tells me a story that one of, the te- one of my teachers said I would never graduate from high school. Well, the sad truth in that is I didn't. Eventually, she enrolled in her local community college and found a professor who believed in her and mentored her. Johnny Castro was was my professor in an early childhood education class in Dallas, and he made me feel smart. I keep saying that, but like he gave me, he goes, I think you're going to be good at this. There was a career fair on campus one day, and that professor encouraged her to check out a booth for a company called Bright Horizons. She applied for a position, was hired, and quickly discovered the educational opportunities available to her through this new job. Rachel Robertson is the Vice President of Education Development at Bright Horizons, and she says for about 15 years, they've had a Child Development Associates program. Which is an entry-level credential in the field across the country, recognized in most states. And we offered that 100% free, and I've always had hundreds of teachers each year participate in that. Bright Horizons would offer this program as a tuition reimbursement program. A person would pay for the cost up front, send their bill to Bright Horizons, and then Bright Horizons would reimburse the student. Then our CEO wanted to, to go further and add AABA degrees. Entries into the reimbursement program were down, and after receiving feedback from potential participants, they found that the upfront cost was a major barrier. So he went ahead and just removed that. The new program is called the Horizons Teacher Degree Program. And participants now do not have to pay for any expenses out of pocket. That includes tuition, fees, and books. The launch of this new program happened at a conference a few years ago. So I was sitting backstage knowing, okay, they're going to hear about it. But I had been in so many of the conversations about it, I forgot how powerful and emotional this announcement was going to be. Vera Dusik, who I adore, I call her my forever boss, Lauren Floyd again. So she was at leadership, and I will never forget, she sent me a text that said, I know you're going to take advantage of this. They just announced they're paying for school. And I said, oh my gosh, when? So I think that was like July maybe or May, and they started it in September. The first week applications were open. I was like in the door and ready for it. Rachel said as soon as people heard about it in person at the conference, they reacted much like Lauren did. There were people crying. There were people calling other people, immediately calling teachers back at their centers saying, guess what? You can stay in the field. You don't have to find another job. You can do what you always hoped you would do. You could go to school because your parents couldn't afford it or you didn't want student loans, and now you can do it. It is a dream-making program. Full-time employees of Bright Horizon who work 30 hours a week or more can apply to join this program from their first day. They work with national accredited online universities like Southern New Hampshire University, University of Arizona Online, and Oklahoma State University. We're about to add two more colleges 
one of those colleges is an HBCU, so we really listen to the learners and say, what kind of, what are you looking for? We have one of the schools has more of a competency-based program. One of them has eight starts a year. So we try to have a wide variety of options so they can, so each learner can find what's going to work for them. Um, family board here, so we work really hard. This Today, Lauren controls whatever space she is in. On the day I went to interview her, she was dealing with the ramifications of a lightning strike that had hit the building overnight. The Wi-Fi was down, the phones were down, securely checking in children was more difficult than normal, and yet she calmly and authoritatively managed the situation and never lost sight of the main goal, the health and welfare of the kids. As we toured the space, she greeted every adult and kid by name that she saw in the hallway. This is Sharonda. She's our instructional coach. Hi, Derek. Good morning. And it was obvious the love and respect they have for her. Lauren says this opportunity to get a degree in the field you're working in for free is a way to change the narrative. Oftentimes, too, early child education can be looked at as a job for people. And I want us to change that. I want it to be a career. This is a career. This is an opportunity. When you say you're a teacher in fifth grade, that's your career, right? Why can't you say a preschool teacher is your career? You can. You truly can. And so I really want to make sure people understand that as we continue to advocate for early childhood education on a local, on a state, on a federal level, with private institutions and public institutions alike, that we need more educators to see early education. This is not just a job. It's a career. And there's a way to do it. And there's a way to sustain your life livelihood by doing it. And so I, I think Bright Horizons does great at that. Um, and and I would love to encourage others to learn a little bit more what that would look like. Rachel says, while it's not a hard and fast requirement, people who participate in the Horizons teacher degree program are strongly encouraged to stay for at least 18 months at a Bright Horizons facility. If they leave and don't go do good with children somewhere else, that is fulfilling for us also. The, the goal is to float all boats, lift the tide for everyone, for all children, for all families, and for all educators. You can find out more about the Horizons Teacher Degree Program at our website, ozarksatlarge.com. Hey, can we? Do hear? Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me? Can I try? For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore. He'll help you, okay? He'll help you. He'll help you. He'll hold it for you, okay? As Matthew said, you can find a link with more details about the teacher degree program on our website, ozarksatlarge.com. You'll also find past stories and a link to sign up for our free newsletter that lands in your inbox every weekday morning. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Next time on Latino USA, we bring you a love story of student activism from 1968 when thousands of students walked out of their high school and helped spark the Chicano movement, the East L.A. walkouts. We were being treated differently. We were children, we were students, we should be respected. That's next time on Latino USA. Latino USA, Sunday afternoon at 3 on 91.3 KUAF. And you can always listen to us by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF. Still to come on today's show, the ever-energetic Jumpsuit Jamie has been leading honky-tonk events for a while now, and he's ready to expand further. But what we'd like to do, what I'd like to do, the vision, 
is to expand it into being a sort of honky-tonk variety show. Not unlike, I guess my inspiration was Buck Owens' old ranch show. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that Buck Owens actually had a regional TV hit show before Hee Haw called Buck Owens' Ranch. Jumpsuit Jamie talks with and plays music for Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis in the Furman Garner Performance Studio later this hour. What is it that we're missing in Northwest Arkansas that is a vast need, a desire for people in our community? Mm. On the latest episode of The Beloved Community, a podcast with the Northwest Arkansas Martin Luther King Jr. Council and KUAF, hosts and council members Chris Seawood and Lindsay Leverett Higgins discuss the council's efforts to develop strategies aimed at improving black life in Northwest Arkansas through a new electronic census project. There should be and hopefully will be just more targeted investment in infrastructure to help bring those cultural amenities. Listen to the beloved community for free at KUAF.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Callums. I'm Matthew Moore. The Arkansas Department of Corrections is adding almost 500 beds to the state prison system in response to the backlog of inmates. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports overcrowding in county jails is a recurring problem. There were about 2,200 inmates in the state's backlog, according to a report from an April Arkansas Parole Board meeting. Department officials have added beds before, and Dinah Tyler, the agency's communication director, says the latest action is part of a plan to upgrade and build more units. Plus, the big ticket item is, of course, the 3,000 beds that were approved and funded by Governor Sanders and the legislature during the legislative session. I can't ever remember us having, I don't think we ever have, had the funding to build 3,000 beds. Construction of the 3,000-bed prison is estimated to cost $470 million and have $31 million in annual operating expenses. Other projects include adding 162 beds in the White River Correctional Center and a 100-bed expansion of the Mississippi County Work Release Center. For Ozarks at Large and the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One, I'm Anna Pope. Former Arkansas governor and current presidential candidate Asa Hutchinson is reiterating his stand that former President Donald Trump should never be president again. Yesterday, Hutchinson released a statement after the former president had been notified he is a target of the special prosecutor's January 6th investigation. Hutchinson says while Trump wants people to believe he's a victim, the real victims of the January 6th insurrection were democracy, the rule of law, and the Capitol police officers. Officials with the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences are celebrating the opening of a new radiation oncology center. UAMS first broke ground on the 58,000-square-foot facility in May of 2021. Speaking at a ribbon-cutting ceremony yesterday was Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She credited UAMS with building the state's first proton therapy center, which uses high-powered, targeted particles to treat cancer. Proton therapy is just one of many new services this 50,000-square-foot facility will provide. And as Arkansas's only teaching hospital, UAMS will be able to train the next crop of oncology specialists right here at home. 
Little Rock Mayor Frank Scott Jr. welcomed the opening, saying it would seek to educate the next generation of cancer scientists. And that's one thing that we know, that we have to remain unified on how do we cure it, how do we treat it, and how do we make certain that we diminish it. And we do that by understanding that we have to continue to pursue state-of-the-art technology and innovation, ensuring that we do all that we can to invest in the city and the state's future. The $65 million facility opens to patients next week, while the Proton Therapy Center will begin treating patients in October. Downtown Bentonville Incorporated is starting a shuttle service for people with mobility issues to have access to downtown events. The service is available for transport from Northwest Medical Center to events like First Friday on the city square and annual events like parades. When the Echeverria's podcast, Inspirando El Futuro, stories about Latina leaders in Northwest Arkansas, began as a senior thesis, five conversations with five different women about their lives as professionals, mothers, mentors, and residents of our region. No surprise, Wendy discovered five editions of the podcast, not enough to talk with all the women she wanted to highlight. She has created a digital extra episode that includes a discussion with three guests, Samantha Arroyos, a native of Northwest Arkansas and a partner at her family's inclusion firm, Gabriela Velasco, a native of Mexico City who moved to the region several years ago and works for Coca-Cola, and Carol Silvia Morales, the president and CEO of Upskill Northwest Arkansas. Wendy asked them about everything they do. You have your jobs, you have your families, you have, you know, nonprofits, you have organizations, you're mentoring different people. Why is it important to do these kinds of things? Why is it important to mentor the younger generations or be involved in our community as Latinas? I, speaking for this community, um, kind of to start, I think it's important in every community, but this community, for example, I was here in the 90s when Latinos were 1% of our population, if that. And being from a mixed-race family where um, I'm not the same skin color as my mother, I've known that it's, that I've been different my whole life. And growing up, I saw my parents bring us as children, not only engage in the community, but bring us as children to these events to show us just how important and how much of a difference it makes for people when there is Latino representation mm-hmm. in those rooms mm-hmm. and in those conversations. And now Latinos represent almost 18% of Northwest Arkansas, yeah. almost a 20 times growth in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And with that, we don't always see that in those organizations. Mm-hmm. And so I think for those of us that do have those opportunities, mm-hmm. it's important not only to take the time to be in those rooms and to represent our voices, but also to save a seat for the next person. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite quotes I've ever heard from a Latina executive was, in every room you're in, grab two chairs. Mm -hmm. Grab one for yourself and one for another Latina. Mm -hmm. Because that's what's necessary for us to be represented and for our voices to be heard in those rooms. And so I think 
even though it takes extra time, even though it takes extra effort, and sometimes you get tired, and, and you've got a lot going on, and you get stressed. I think if you take a look back at how much it has changed our area for the better, I think that's where you see the value, and that's where you keep going. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I love, so something that you said, so we have 18%, right, of, of our population is Latino, Latina, right? Yeah. And so that's a big number. It's growing, right? Yeah. And so, and then you also said that we don't have enough people represent, represented in some spaces. Mm -hmm. yeah. So why do you think that's happening in, in this area? Do you think that it will change? I think there's a number of reasons, Wendy, some of which are it, our own selves. Mm -hmm. Okay, so speaking as a, very similar to Sam and I'm sure Gabby, each of us has experienced being the only, yeah. the only biracial mm -hmm. person, uh, Latino in Northwest Arkansas, the only immigrant mm -hmm. in the room, the only female, the only Latina. Mm -hmm. And it is in those moments of acute awareness that we are different. Than other people sitting in the room, that really drives us. I think compels us to change it, mm -hmm. and so we get in our way sometimes. Though mm -hmm. culturally speaking, as Latinos, we are raised to be very humble. Yeah. We're heads down, mm -hmm. working, 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 toiling, yeah. even at times, because you know, very similar to them, my mom and dad said, look, if you work hard, you're gonna get exactly what you deserve. Well, that's true to a certain extent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's when you work hard and that body of work represents your value proposition to an organization, mm -hmm. and you can articulate that value proposition to an organization, yeah. that, that we are instead propelled forward. Mm -hmm. So we're either going to listen to the negative mm -hmm. thoughts in our mind, oh man, I don't deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. Why am I even sitting here? Yeah. Or we're going to tamp them down, straighten the crown, yeah. and move forward, <laughs> yeah. and bring others along. Many times mm -hmm. Samantha has given me a seat at that table, yeah. many times. Mm -hmm. And that is reciprocal. Mm -hmm. You, Samantha does for me, I do for her, mm -hmm. right? Because that's how this works. Each of us as Latinos, yep. Latinas paying forward the opportunities we ourselves have been given. Yeah. And, and it, it's this continuous cycle. We're doing it for our amigas, mm -hmm. we're doing it for primos and primas, mm -hmm. and we're doing it for our children. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I love it. Um, just taking a little bit back to what Samantha was saying, uh, I was, as I said, born and raised in Mexico. I never see the need of getting so involved mm -hmm. until my daughter started going to uh, school. Mm -hmm. And I saw how much need, how big the opportunity was there yeah. during parent and teacher conferences 15 years ago, 12 years ago. I mean, there were always uh, interpreters and volunteer translators, but they were never enough. Yeah. And I saw that, and I was like, they need help. Like, yeah. we have been so blessed to be able to uh, speak a second language. Mm -hmm. But most of the parents of the Latinos 
they, don't, they didn't have the opportunity to go to college yeah. or have an education. Mm -hmm. Many of them don't speak the language. Yeah. So um, I think it's just a little, a little uh, way of giving back to the community because we have been so blessed. Uh, we need to share, we need to share, we need to help each other. Yeah. And we're in a different environment most of the time, yes. right? A, yeah. An environment that is inclusive. You mm -hmm. see um, organizations out there that are promoting this mm -hmm. community and celebrating Latinos and giving um, opportunities for board positions mm -hmm. and city council positions. I mean, it's, it's become very important mm -hmm. that the Latino voice is represented, especially as you look at those trends. We will be the minority. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as Latinos, I mean, we're not just one kind, right? We have Arkansan, Mexican, Mexican, Tejana from you know, Texas. <laughs> we have South America and we have, a, I mean, we have a rich tapestry of Latinos here. Mm -hmm. So there is enough room for all of us to be sitting in this community, to be represented in this community, to be providing our own unique perspectives mm -hmm. on how government should work for the people, mm -hmm. how cities, the important issues to Latinos that should be raised up in city council meetings mm -hmm. or the things that we should be celebrating. It's not just Dia de los Muertos, it's other, other things. Yeah. There's other um, you know, things that are represented in events that are represented in other cultures that even I don't know about as a Latino, you know, that we're mm -hmm. so unique and so different and vibrant mm -hmm. that I, I just look forward to what this opportunity, this open door, mm -hmm. will enable as we move forward here in Northwest Arkansas in the coming years. Because there's so many opportunities, there's so much to learn. Yeah. It's really incredible. This is an incredible time. It is. And I, so one of the things that I learned through this podcast was what you said that we are all very different. Like you said, you're from Northwest Arkansas, Mexico, Texas, California. <laughs> Thank you. But, um, but I had, you know, the Maria Baker is from Venezuela. Yeah. Juanita is from California, but Mexico, her parents all are from Mexico. All amazing women. Yeah. Amazing. My, my mom, El Salvador, everyone is from, you know, a different area of, of Latin America, has a different story, has a different voice, has a different opinion. Um, and I love that you just said that, you know, that we all bring something to the table, that we're all, you know, our voices, our ideas are so different. Yeah. And, and that's we what we have to, We have to step out there, Wendy. Mm -hmm. So many times, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, I was this person, okay? Yeah. So nose to the grindstone, working, 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 working. Oh, I don't have time to do that kind of stuff because I got to deliver on mm -hmm. the day job, the day job, the day job. It's not enough, mm -hmm. right? My sparkle face, seven-year-old daughter, mm -hmm. requires me yeah. to lay the groundwork mm -hmm. for her opportunity mm -hmm. when she grows up. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that I'm in there in the trenches of work. Mm -hmm. It is that I am advocating for the opportunities mm -hmm. that she will take advantage of and that she will have when she becomes a young adult herself. Yeah. So when you kind of put it into that context and these 
intrinsic motivations that mm -hmm. we all have little sisters and little brothers at mm -hmm. home, mm -hmm. 15 year old daughters at home, seven year old sparkle face at home. Mm -hmm. It's easy to see why we have to make time yeah. to yeah. do the things that are very important to us mm -hmm. and to our children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're definitely right. And one of the things that one of my guests said, another guest that I had on the podcast said, Veronica Garcia, she talked about, she said something about like the next, she's kind of jealous of the next generation because they're going to be able to do more, but that's exactly what she wants for them. She wants them to do more, to have a, a bigger opportunity. And that's exactly why my parents, or my, yeah, my, well, my mom and dad came to the country to, to give me more for a better opportunity. My mom stopped going to school, I think, I want to say at a very young age um, because she didn't have you know, enough money for uniforms or books. But she had a dream, when she, right when she had my sister, she had a dream of, of coming to the US and giving my sister that opportunity. And today, my sister and I are getting our master's degree, which is something oh, that she's, amazing. yeah, and I, we do it for her. And to be honest, we, we do everything in a way for her because of the things that she's done for us yes. and also my, my father as well. But like you're saying, like, you know, what we want is for our next generations to, to do better and, and to receive better. Honestly, I love it. This is incredible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the entire digital episode with Wendy and her guests Samantha Arroyos, Gabriela Valesco, and Carol Silva Morales can be found at KUAF.com. Just look for the local podcast section under the Listen tab. Wendy Echeverria is continuing her series and will continue to hear excerpts right here on Ozarks at Large. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. Benjamin Bogard was born in Kentucky in 1868. Ordained a Baptist minister in 1887, he moved to Arkansas 12 years later, preaching in Searcy and Argenna before becoming pastor of Antioch Missionary Baptist Church in Little Rock, where he remained until 1947. A Ku Klux Klan member, he opposed teaching evolution, and when an anti-evolution bill was tabled in 1927, he led a drive to put it on the ballot as an initiated act the following year. He fought evolution from the pulpit, giving a 1928 sermon titled Manor Monkey, which the Anti-Evolution Act passed by a two-to-one margin and remained on the books until overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court 40 years later. He also opposed the presidential run of Alfred E. Smith, a Catholic he said would make the U.S. subject to the Pope and impose racial equality on the segregated South. Ripley's Believe It or Not featured him as preaching every Sunday for 61 years without missing a single Sunday. He died in 1951. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. For quite a while now, Jamie Hall, better known as Jumpsuit Jamie, and his band, the Can't Wait to Play Boys, have been hosting country dances at the American Legion in Fayetteville. This month, they're changing it up a bit. On July 29th, the American Legion will host a honky-tonk ball presented by Jumpsuit Jamie and featuring music from Statehouse Electric and the Nighttimers. Dance lessons will also be provided before the show. Earlier this month, Jumpsuit Jamie, Tim Patterson from Statehouse Electric and the Nighttimers, which consist of Shyla Molina and Doc Hopper, came to the Furman Garner Performance Studio at KUAF to talk about the event with Ozarks at Largest, Timothy Dennis. The conversation began with a bit of background on the events Jamie has held in the past at the American Legion. We have two of the finest local honky-tonk bands playing in this area, northwest Arkansas, in the world, as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. Uh, 
State House Electric <laughs> with the, the glowing and handsome Tim Patterson over there, mm-hmm. and then Shalomolina, what used to be Shalomolina and Hockey Talk Flames, but now they are known as the Night Timers, and they're both going to be playing. I think Tim's band, State House Electric, is going to open, and then the nighttime Night Timers are going to close the show. Nice. Now, this is something, this is an extension of something you've been doing at the American Legion for a few months, right? Yes, sir. We've been putting on honky-tonk dances there, both pre, post, and a little bit during the pandemic. Uh, But what we'd like to do, what I'd like to do, the vision, is to expand it into being a sort of honky-tonk variety show. Not unlike, I guess my inspiration was Buck Owens' old ranch show. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that Buck Owens actually had a regional TV hit show before Hee Haw hmm. called Buck Owens Ranch Show. It was more music, very little comedy, if any, right. just occasional banter from the MC. But a lot of Bakersfield Sound uh, musicians, and especially Buck, leading the way. Fantastic show. We are the Night Timers, and this is our original tune, Don't Take It Back. You played my heart just like those strings That I've been barely hanging on by You said you like the way I sing So I'm gonna write a hundred songs Baby, I'm stuck on you so if you're only passing through just please don't take it back when you kiss me like that how you used to do you said that you were only friends but questions keep bringing me down so you can pop a top again Guess I'll have another round Oh, I already knew That you might love someone new But please don't take it back When you kiss me like that How you used to do through my door It's just too hard to let you go I pick the pieces off the floor And you might never even know Baby, I'm still stuck on you So if you're only passing through Also a part of this event is going to be dancing, right? Absolutely. And I will give a dance lesson beforehand, give people a taste of honky-tonk dancing, boot scooting, mm-hmm. progressive step pattern dance, if you want to get a little bit technical about mm-hmm. it, which that'll be the last 
technical thing you hear about honky-tonk dancing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'll give a lesson beforehand, give people a taste of it, and then we're liable to get dancers from as far away as Oklahoma, Missouri, the River Valley. Our events at the American Legion from the people who are in the know about honky-tonk dancing, they're prized, and people come from all over. So what about honky-tonk music lends itself particularly to dancing? Boy, you know, that's a tough one. It was made for it. From the urban cowboy days, if anybody remembers those, it's the kind of dancing they did at Gillies. And it's ineffable what the feeling is that drives it, but I know it when I hear it. But it's the twang of steel guitars and fiddles and that telecaster cutting through. Mm-hmm. It's country as hell. It's rural, but it'll it'll move you. It's sort of country with a backbeat. I think that, at least for the two-step, the backbeat's super important. Yeah. That's, that's sort of a marrying of earlier music with maybe a little bit of rockabilly and rock and roll. Previously, it's been you, Jamie, and your band, the Can't Wait to Play Boys, playing this event. Why expand this to include other music? Well, damn, I want to get out and dance some, too. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) And besides, you know, as great as Jumpsuit Jamie and the Can't Wait to Play Boys are, (laughs) you know, people might like to get a little variety. And we've got some damn fine bands around here, as I said earlier. Tim's band, Statehouse Electric, and the Nighttimers, I mean, they are fantastic. These two are incredible, Doc and Shiloh. Mm -hmm. I would have never believed a two-piece band, just two people, could pull off a dance. But I went to one of their dances, and I couldn't stay off the floor. (laughs) The music for this event is going to be curated, particularly for dancing. How do you make a set list that is just just that, for dancing? Does it require any special thought or planning, or you just play what you normally well, play? We certainly put some thought in the tempos. State Electrics, we have a fairly eclectic set list when we're just playing a, a listening show. But uh, right. So for this, we'll curate the set list to emphasize that backbeat. Maybe the arrangements will be a little simplified so there aren't weird stops and dramatic pauses and things mm-hmm. like that to keep the flow going. And then the overall composition of the set list is important. You want to have sort of peaks and valleys and changes in tempo and mm-hmm. variations in the, whether you're playing common time or 3-4 for a waltz and sort of keep things mixed up and interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope you all all throw waltzes in there occasionally. But if you don't, I'll be sure to let you know. We got a couple. Don't worry. I know we all do. It'll be a very waltz-friendly evening, I'm I'm sure, between the two bands. Oh, yeah. I mean, I try to keep the danceability in mind at every show because that's really what gets us going is when people get up on the floor. So it'll be kind of similar. But, yeah, I do want to mix it up and give a range. So I know I've seen State House Electric play several times here in Fayetteville. Is this going to be one of the first shows for the Nighttimers over here? Probably our first show as the Nighttimers since we kind of did a little bit of reconfiguration. But we have played here Kingfish. Okay. We played in Winslow at Ozark Folkways. That was really, really fun. But, yeah, this will be a a big new thing for us, and we're we're pretty stoked. Now, have either of y'all played shows that are geared toward dancing before? I mean, I know people dance at shows, but, I mean, is this the first dance event y'all have played? Yeah, it is for us, for sure. We played a dance at the Elks Lodge oh, here okay. a while back, and that was super fun and pretty successful. So yeah. we, we want more of that. And seeing uh, Jamie's band, you know, is really inspiring because they are they are really fantastic. Yeah, and a lot of fun. It's a guaranteed good time when you go see them. So, how is this event going to be structured on the 29th? 
Well, let's see. So 6 o'clock, we'll start a dance lesson. I'll try to introduce people to the uh, two-step. And then, let's see, Tim's band, uh, State House Electric, will come on at 7. And then I guess what we all run to about 7.30? Yeah, we'll do, we'll do 80, 85 minutes, somewhere in there. Okay. And then we'll have a set break. Probably during that set break, I'm going to try to uh, lead the crowd through a couple of country western specialty dances that used to be so popular back in the day, the Cotton Eye Joe mm-hmm. and the Texas Shottish. Both of those can be learned on the fly. So if you just jump out there with the groups that are doing the dance and not know anything about the dance at the beginning, by the end you'll know it. Yeah. And, and they're fun community dances that way. And then I'll introduce the night timers, and they'll close the show. For people wanting to come to this event, do they need any prior dancing experience? Well, it don't hurt, <laughs> but I wouldn't say, oh, don't come if you don't have any experience. Right. No, I mean, that's how do you ever get introduced to it? I learned from this guy, we'd go and play a couple songs at their shows, and he, he taught us how to dance a little bit. Yeah. I yeah, love I mean, you to can teach. learn quick. I love to teach dance. I've been doing it for about 40 years. And Do you I feel think. like you could teach anyone to dance? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. It really takes willingness yeah. more than anything else. And to get over that initial anxiety about dancing. I mean, I think it's right up there with public speaking, Mm -hmm. among things that you'd rather stick needles in your eyes and go do (laughs) in front of people. However, and most of that anxiety comes from that feeling of exposure. You know, people are watching me. Well, you know what? I can prove to you that no one is watching you, and I can prove it to you from your own experience. When you're watching couples out on a dance floor, who do you watch? Well, normally, you're going to watch that couple that's really good at it. Oh, look at all those spins and all that stuff. It's entertaining. If your eyes do happen to fall on a couple that's struggling, what is your thought? It's certainly not one of scorn. No. No, you're pulling for them. It's like, all right, man, way to go. You know, you're you're 100% for them. So nobody's watching you. If they are, they're pulling for you. What do you hope people will take away from this event? Well, I'd like for people to get the idea that, hey, you know, there's some country music out there and country culture out there and country dancing out there that doesn't suck. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because modern country just absolutely kills me. You know, it's like somebody produced it in a factory. It doesn't have any feel to it. Even if the tempo's right, when I'm dancing to it, it's like, God, this is particularly soulless. Well, that's not how these guys' music is. And that's not how our dancing will be. And I want them to experience that. You can't just hear about it. You can't just see it on a YouTube. You have to go experience it. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping will happen. So what's State House Electric got coming up? Actually, we're playing a uh, wing-eating contest. A wing-eating contest? <laughs> yeah. right. So, so yeah. a new frontier for us at, uh, at the Central Barbecue, the new one that just okay. opened up here a while back. That's Saturday morning before the dance, so it's kind of a warm-up gig for oh, us. Oh, wow. And then we're playing my brother's 50th birthday, but oh. yeah, that's, a, that's a private event. That's awesome. <laughs> you, and you've got a Gotta Hold show coming up, don't you? Yes, sometime. Unprepared for oh, that. Don't feel bad. To, my band has to tell me when our gigs are all the time, and I'm <laughs> the one that booked them. Well, There's uh, an yeah. event on Facebook, so it'll, yeah. it's easy to Yeah, it's a, really, that's the easiest way to keep up with events. Yeah. 
so for better the, or worse. What about the night timers? What have y'all got coming up? We've got lots, um, mostly around Eureka Springs because mm-hmm. that's where we're currently residing. We've got a couple maybe dinner gigs in town before this dance, so we'll be wow. as road hot as it gets, I wow. guess, even Man. though we don't travel very far. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. So do y'all normally play as a three-piece or a two-piece? Two-piece normally. Okay. What y'all going to be on uh, on the upcoming gig, or is that is that a, still a secret? You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did y'all come together as a two-piece? I, th- I mean, I've never really talked with y'all. I'm just curious. How did y'all come together? So I've been living in Eureka Springs in the area since about 2016, and I wasn't really playing music at the time. I had played some in some heavy bands when I was a teenager, but that was mostly it. But you did post a video of you singing Strawberry Wine. (laughs) Hold on, I'm almost there. Okay, okay. (laughs) So I had decided I was going to start learning to play guitar in my 30s. (laughs) And I started getting back into country music. My grandmother was a country singer. She played guitar. and, And I had kind of like shunned it as the punk rocker growing up, you know. And yeah. So I started getting back into country music, and I posted a video on the Internet a long time ago <laughs> playing Strawberry Wine, and uh, Mike sent me a message and told me that I really needed to be playing music, and I needed to be playing country music specifically. And so we kind of just loosely talked for the next couple years, and he moved back to Oklahoma during the pandemic, and... The world shut down and I started writing songs. Okay. I wrote like 20 songs in maybe a year and a half. Oh, wow. Just pumping them out and I decided that Mike needed to move back to Eureka Springs to play steel guitar for me and uh, so I loaded up all his crap in my truck and his van and pulled him back down here. I love it. And y'all That been... was about a couple years ago. Yeah. And I know I've seen y'all playing around quite a bit since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we, we've been playing in other bands. I had one other band, and he, you know, plays for pretty much anybody. Everybody wants him. He's in high demand. <laughs> so we really got to start focusing on this particular project this year okay. is when we kind of, like, set our minds to where we were going to go with, with what was really authentically us. Yeah. Um, I'm from Texas, Houston. I grew up in Houston, and he grew up outside of Tulsa. So this is just kind of where we were always meant to be, I guess. Yeah, and my mom was born in Ventura, California. They were all Bakersfield, Okies. Yeah. So I, oh, it's darn. home. It's meaningful to me, that kind of music. Yeah. And uh, after years of doing anything and everything, it was time to lean into it. So that's what we're all doing is supporting each other. It's not the world's most popular music, but, uh, but it's, it's really big. good. And, <laughs> you know, we're stronger together. Yeah. It's all about community, right? Yeah, yeah. It's great people with like interests. Yeah, mm-hmm. I dig it. And one thing about these dances is they are really a multi-generational community event. I mean, you'll see people of all all ages and stripes and colors, and it's it's a real coming together. It's something, it's something special. Yeah. Yeah, as I always like to say, and bring your mom and them. <laughs> <laughs> Called at 6.30, said it wasn't my day I'm already unraveled and I'm starting to fray I've been smoking cheap grass and I'm all out of gas And I'm wondering how long I can last this way (laughs) 
cheeses in the freezer Cause the fridge has gone out I'm on the phone but I forgot what I was calling about Cause the kids are making noise And I stepped on a toy Will they give me that extension? Oh boy, I highly doubt Sometimes when everything goes wrong Even when I play along I could rightly think that I just might be Decline my card for two bags of ice I've been too nice for too long Now I'm paying the price I've had a good attitude So I don't mean to be rude I'll hit you up when I'm in the mood To roll the dice Sometimes when it all goes to hell I can barely even tell That was the Nighttimers with Shiloh Molina and Doc Hopper. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram. We also heard from Tim Patterson of the band Statehouse Electric. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. And we also heard from Jumpsuit Jamie Hall, who you can keep up with at Facebook group NWA Two Steppers. That's the number two. The Honky Tonk Ball takes place July 29th at the American Legion in Fayetteville. Dance lessons begin at 6 p.m., music at 7. There is a $10 cover charge. Hey, it's A. Martinez. So you want to be a morning person. Get up without hitting the snooze button, make your bed right away, eat a healthy breakfast. <laughs> Okay, okay, you're still working on it. We get it. Go ahead, hit snooze. Morning Edition from NPR News will be here for you all morning, whether you make the bed or not. Listen every weekday. Morning Edition, tomorrow morning from 5 to 9, right here on 91.3 KUAF. Tomorrow's Ozarks at Large brings us a flute, a viola, two violins, and a cello. Musicians who are part of this summer's Chamber Music on the Mountain Festival are with us in the Furman Garner Performance Studio as we get a taste of that third annual festival. That's on tomorrow's show at noon and 7 p.m.
This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Bell Point. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors to today's program included Wendy Echeverria, Timothy Dennis, Anna Pope, and Matthew put the show together in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. Our theme is how the first raw written and performed by Daryl Sean. We don't ever stop working here. That's been my experience so far. But, you know, what do they say? If you find a job you love, you're never working. That's not really true. Um, But I had the pleasure of having a conversation with author and historian and educator Brooks Blevins earlier this week. His, I think, 13th book has just come out, and it is titled Up South in the Ozarks. And it's a collection of essays he's written for different periodicals during his career. It covers everything from Southerners' relationship to fireworks to... Are the Ozarks in the South mm. to the end, the near end of the true country store in the middle of nowhere? Uh, he will be speaking about the book and signing copies of the book in early August, August 2nd on Wednesday night at the Fayetteville Public Library, August 3rd at, in the afternoon at Shallow Museum of Ozark History. Had a conversation with him. That will air likely sometime next week, and it's always wonderful to talk with him. Here's a question that I'm certain you didn't ask him, but I will ask you as though you did ask okay. him. What do you think is harder to do? Do you think it's harder to write your first book or your 13th book? I, you're right. I did not ask him that. <laughs> um, I'm Well, I'm going to say in his case probably the first one because this third one was a collection of essays, Ah, right? So he had been writing it during his career. I would think the first one would be harder. I don't know. It probably depends on the subject matter. I've never written a book. I will never write a book, so I can't give you an answer on that. People I know who have written books, I think just getting over the hump of like writing the first one, having the confidence that you can do it, like doing the rigmarole that you need to to get that first book in, I think is is once you pass that – it gets a little bit easier. Next writer, I will ask that question. I hope you do. Thank you for listening to us for the first time or the 13th time. I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Matthew Moore. Opera in the Ozarks presents its 72nd summer season now through July 21st at Inspiration Point in Eureka Springs. Featuring 40 premier vocalists from across the nation performing three fully staged operas, including Donna Zetti's Elixir of Love, Copeland's The Tender Land, and Offenbach's Orpheus in the Underworld. Tickets and season schedule at opera.org. KUAF is partnering with local McDonald's owner-operators to bring you the KUAF Lunch Hour Summer Concert Series, including three tiny desk-styled concerts that will take place at different McDonald's locations across northwest Arkansas, the River Valley, and the Green Country. These three concerts lead up to the Lunch All Day Mini Festival in September. Performances include Steph Simon of Fire in Little Africa, country singer Joe West, and artist-designer Tylo May. KUAF.com backslash summer concerts for more information.